Well, good morning, everyone. You may have heard that yesterday morning, uh, 15th century Catholic Cathedral, the western region of France and the city of Nantes, was burnt down, destroying the organ, shattering the stained glass windows, and sending black smoke from its towers. French authorities have launched an arson inquiry. The Catholic Church has been around for 2,000 years, and we are confident that it will be around for the next, not only 2,000 years, but for the rest of time. This is not just a bunch of positive thinking or optimism. It's founded on the words of Jesus Christ and his promise to be with us for all time. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, actually the second to last verse, Jesus says to the disciples, Teach all to observe all that I have commanded you, and know that I am with you always, even to the close of the age. That is, always, all times. And then a few verses before that, Jesus tells Peter, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the powers of death shall never prevail against it. This is the confidence that we live our faith today. And the confidence with which the early church lived their faith. Not just the sufferings, the persecutions, the trials, the difficulties of the present age. But seeing everything that we go through today within the larger context of human history and the promise of Jesus Christ to be with us for all at all times and for all times. Today, in the liturgical cycle season, we celebrate the first six ecumenical councils. We celebrate the ecumenical councils a few times throughout the year, but today is dedicated to the first six that took place from the year 325 to 681. The word ecumenical literally means the household. It was the bringing together of the entire household to discuss new issues in the life of the church, to discuss new questions, to discuss how those men and women of faith can respond in very active ways to their faith in every single age and every single time. Therefore, our faith is rooted in what we read in the Bible, but it's also rooted in how we reread the Bible today and how we apply that faith to what it is that is happening in our world. In particular, the early church focused on praying, but also focused on clear teachings to remind us that we are not only a community that prays and then goes home and does nothing for the rest of the week, but we continue to live our faith in very practical ways, and we continue to learn the nuances of our faith through doctrines or through the teachings of the church that, are form that were formulated from the Council of Nicaea. Now you may ask, well, why was the first council held in 325 rather than earlier? We said that the church was established 2,000 years ago. Well, for the first 300 years, the church was being persecuted in a different way, in a rather 
even greater, with a way with a greater intensity, that those who professed their faith not only had their homes burnt, but they were burnt themselves, thrown to the lions, chopped in pieces, and all sorts of kinds of punishments that we might find maybe in a museum. But that's the kind of faith that has endured for the last 2,000 years and will continue to endure till the end of time. The early church was persecuted. The early church had challenges. And if you read history, every single year for the last 2,000 years, we see persecution and challenges. Therefore, when we see challenges like these, the burning of churches, it should be very upsetting, but it should not surprise us, and it should not upset us in the sense of being uh, an element of defeat. Rather, it should strengthen us to remind us to continue to bear witness to our faith. A few years ago, when we turned on the TV, we saw churches in Syria and Iraq being shut down, being burnt, and people also being killed for their faith. Well, today, we see this happening in Europe, and we see this happening right around us, even a few minutes away from us. In particular, in the last few weeks, we see it happening unfortunately, too frequently here in the United States. The statues of St. Junipero Serra have been torn down and destroyed across the United States, from Los Angeles, San Francisco, all across, where many situations. On June 27th, in St. Louis, Missouri, Father Stephen Schumacher preached to hundreds of angry protesters while he and a crowd of faithful defended the statue of St. Louis in the city named after the sainted king. And people gathered to protect that statue and others were attacked physically as rioters surrounded the statue and surrounded those who were protecting it. Father Schumacher told the protesters, St. Louis was a man who willed to use his kingship to do good for his people. And the area, the people around him, of course, did not want to hear any of it. The history of the statue of St. Louis the King is one founded in piety and reverence before God and for non-believers and for believers alike, he told them. He also reminded the crowd of the many things that St. Louis, St. Louis the, the, ninth, the Ninth did. He is the only king of France to be canonized by the church. And among many things, he was known for ending trial by combat and replacing it with trial by jury. So if you can imagine today, you go to a trial and you're told to win your trial, just fight it out. He said, no, let's, tr let's try to develop a more decent way of resolving our problems. He also was a man who implemented many reforms in the French government. 
focused on impartial justice, protecting the rights of his subjects, and something that was unheard of, or potentially not even thinkable at that time, asking for justice to be imparted impartially, even among the wealthy, who often abuse their power. Of course, the statue has, was attacked, but still remains there. This, these were not the only attacks. At the end of June, June 30th to be exact, a man named Anthony Weimer pulled down a statue of the Ten Commandments outside Flathead County Courthouse in northeastern Montana. And, unfortunately, the last weekend, Within 48 hours, there were more than four Catholic churches and statues across the country from Boston to Los Angeles who were set on fire or vandalized. Last weekend, July 11th, a blaze gutted the 249-year-old St. Gabriel Mission. A few weeks earlier, which was not reported, the church had to remove the statue outside the cathedral because of all the threats on the, on the basilica and on the statues themselves. That same day, in Boston, Massachusetts, the statue of Our Lady was set on fire. Also that same day, July 11th, in Ocala, Florida, Stephen Anthony Shield, a 24-year-old man, was arrested and charged with attempted murder for setting fire to Queen of Peace Catholic Church. He drove his car into the church and proceeded to light two gallons of gasoline on fire. Parishioners were inside the church preparing for Mass, but no one was injured. And when he was interviewed, Shield said, that what he did was awesome. And he smiled and laughed while the sheriffs questioned him. A day after, July the 12th, last Sunday, there was a beheading of a statue of the Virgin Mary that was found at St. Stephen's Parish in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And luckily some stood up defending the rights of the church and the freedom of worship. Representative Chuck Fleischman, Tennessee Republican, called it a disturbing attack on Catholicism and religion. And then, a couple days ago, July 17th, Friday, the Venturi City Council voted to remove a statue of St. Junipero Cerro from its location outside the city hall. Unfortunately, there are a few more. Last Friday again, July 17th, St. Joseph Catholic Church in New Haven, Connecticut was vandalized with anarchist and satanic symbols. The Archdiocese of Hartford linked the attack of vandalism in New Haven to an apparent trend of desecrating Catholic spaces throughout the nation. And the Archdiocese issued a statement. The underlying motive of these sacrilegious attacks is clear to intimidate and instill fear in the hearts of those who worship Christ. However, our cherished Catholic faith has survived for 2,000 years in the faces of many different oppressors, and it is not about 
to yield now. Therefore, we remain unafraid and resolute in our faith, and we will pray for a conversion of the hearts of those who wish to terrorize us. We keep in mind the words of our Lord who says, Do not worry about those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. And we know that despite these attacks, our faith remains strong. We have gathered here to celebrate our faith in safety, of course, in a way that we can continue to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and a sacrifice of praise to God that has been going on for thousands of years. How is this connected to our fathers who gathered not only during the sixth, first six ecumenical councils, but for all of us who gather today as well? We heard in the letter of St. Paul to Titus and from the Gospel of Matthew something that can summarize our faith that remains strong despite difficult times. In brief, four very important points that are presented in this epistle and gospel and that we can say are the heart of the focus of all believers for the last 2,000 years. Number one, stay strong in your belief of, in God. God is in charge. Things happen. Governments come and governments go. How many civilizations, how many countries have changed borders throughout the last 2,000 years? Yet the Catholic Church has remained strong and present. And throughout this time, our focus as a church has been to stay firmly focused on our belief in God. Not to get angry, not to demand revenge, but to remind ourselves that God is the God of peace and has granted in our heart that seed of peace. We are firmly grounded in the daily belief in God. Second, for the last 2,000 years and for us today, if we are to have a healthy and strong faith, we need to apply our faith to good deeds. From the Acts of the Apostles, we read the life of the early church. They prayed. They also took care of widows. They took care of the needy. They took care of even those who persecuted them. St. Paul even took care of his jailers. And an essential aspect of us as a church, but also us as individuals, is that faith that is strong in us, that faith that we come to church to nourish and to strengthen, when we leave, gets applied in, in a very real way. Think of it as a cup. You fill it up, and it, has, it overflows. That is our faith. We fill up our life. We fill up our hearts. We fill up our minds with the knowledge and love of God, and then we try to figure out ways how we can apply our faith in good deeds. And third, these readings remind us to avoid controversies. Avoid disputes that only reflect reactions to things around us. And finally, our readings today remind us to keep learning about the teachings of the church. Remind us to continue to read the Bible, 
to have a reading of the Bible and an application of our faith as part of our day-to-day -day life. This is a theme that I repeat often, and I can be the CRO, the Chief Reminding Officer of our parish, to continue to remind us of these essential aspects that we have an exceptionally rich intellectual tradition in the Catholic Church. From philosophy, to art, to novels, to civil laws, all sorts of aspects of society that are imbued with a biblical understanding of our faith. And that's why in the letter of St. Paul to Titus, he says, the saying is sure, I desire you to assist on these things so that those who believe in God may be careful to apply themselves in good deeds. These are excellent and profitable to men. And then in the gospel, Jesus reminds us, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand, and it gives light to all those in the house. And then at the end of this section, Jesus reminds us, whoever relaxes one of these commandments and teaches others to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but he who does them and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. It's great when two verses can summarize so nicely these four elements and can place them before us today as we gather to pray. Strong belief in God. Application to good works. Avoiding controversies and focusing on growing in our knowledge of the teachings of our faith. This is our faith. This is what keeps us strong. This is what keeps us firmly grounded in our love for Christ. And make sure that our faith is not an abstract idea, but is something that we live and grow in every single day of our life. At the end of the liturgy, we will hand out a copy of this week's Orange Catholic newspaper, OC Catholic. And there is an article in there on the St. Gabriel mission. And, and providentially, right on the other side, the next page, is, a, is an article on Lexio Divina, Harness Scripture in a Deep and Meaningful Means of Contemplating Prayer. Reminding us that our faith is grounded in the story of the thousands and millions of men and women who have bore witness to it, but it also overflows to us here today as we pray, but as we continue to learn and grow in our faith every single day of our life.